Amen. All right. <clears throat> Thanks for praying for uh, Josephine, too. Um, so just a quick update. I don't know if you guys were, I sent out that Caring Bridge link that you guys could get into and kind of see what's going on. Um, but she had her first intense chemo treatment that was done, um, and that was on Friday. And they said that that was going to be a very, very rough day for her. And um, typically there's like certain types of reactions that people have because you're, I mean, you're putting poison in your body. That's really what you're doing. And so the poison is directed towards where the tumor's at in order to shrink the tumor to get it to the point where then they can go in and take it out or shrink it all together. And, um, and so this was going to be super intense. Well, uh, they gave her the chemo treatment and she had no reactions whatsoever. She was just super tired. That's it. Which is incredible. It's incredible. So God really is helping the Blake family out quite a bit. Um, but yeah, that, that I've, I've been keeping up to date through that Caring Bridge website. So and they've got an app and stuff too that you can download and uh, get notified of different stuff. But, um, but yeah, so God's doing some amazing things there for sure. But just keep praying for them because, um, you know, the one entry that, that Mike put in there was, you know, you go to the hospital, you know, and thinking there's something wrong because she's tired. You find out that she has a tumor and the doctor is basically telling you that she's fighting for her life and how that just changes really everything. Um, so they're, they're really going through it and they really need our prayer. So let's make sure that we pray for them, especially since we'll be talking about prayer. And while we're talking about prayer too, you know, something that I did this past week is uh, I started doing a prayer journal. I've been absolutely terrible at prayer journals. Um, I say that I pray for people and I've tried multiple different things in order to keep lists and stuff, but this is what I've started to do. And so far I've really, really liked it. Um, I've just basically had a one liner. So I put the data when I write it and I've got a one liner of all the things that I'm praying for. And then, um, I'm going to try to do this every single day, kind of work through some of these things. And I get very specific. I don't do things in general. I want to keep it as specific as possible. But then, um, like I have my thing here for Lake Center Christian, and then I'm going to do a different pen color for what was answered and then when it was answered. Um, so that way I can go back through and I can see what prayers were answered and how things changed. Or even like this, I put Mike Blake's daughter, and then I found out, well, here's the answer, because I was praying that they would rule out cancer, but then the answer was it was cancer. And then that started a new prayer request up here. So um, just different things that it just helps me, because we can just forget about a lot of things. And then when I'm praying, I have this in front of me that I can pray to God specifically about what's going on here. So this would be something that would be very good for you guys to do if you really want to take it up a notch with your prayer life. Um, and I'm even looking at this. You know, another prayer you guys can be praying for is Tony Godfrey. So they've outgrown their building in Kansas, Iowa, Kansas. And so he's been wanting to sell and find a new place. Well, he sold his building, and they have no idea where they're going to go. So uh, it happened really, really fast. There's a daycare that's interested in his building, and so they're buying it. And um, I'm not sure if he's agreed to it officially, but I know that they've sold the building if they want it to be sold. And so now they're going try to try to figure out where to go from here. So that's a big deal for them um, because Iola is a town where it's not really growing. It's actually shrinking. And uh, you can't build. If you were to build, you'd be spending three or four times more money because no one wants to build there because the housing market is just in the tank. So there's just some decisions they need to make that are very, very important. If we could be praying for them, that'd be awesome. <clears throat> All right. Okay, so we're going to be talking about the importunity of prayer. Now, uh, that's a phrase, a word that we've, we've mentioned a few times. Go ahead and turn to Luke 18, um, and we'll be spending most of our time in, in Luke uh, 18 and also 11 this morning, just for us to get a good understanding. We won't have time to cover all the examples on the backside of your guys' study sheet, um, but there are some great examples of praying with importunity. 
Now, importunity is not a word that we use that often in our culture, um, but we have talked about it. So somebody give me a good definition of what is importunity. If you're going to pray with importunity, what does that mean? Anybody, anybody, come on, anybody. Importunity. Is that a disease? No. (laughs) Pray with importunity. Does anyone remember or even take a stab, a shot in the dark? Nothing? Nothing? Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that's a really, that's a very, very deductive, good deductive reasoning there. All right, so, so that's that's actually brings up a really good point. So when I say importunity, it means that you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray, and it is so important to you that you keep praying and you keep praying and you keep praying, and you almost annoy God with your prayers because you care about it so much and so deeply. That's importunity. That's really, really, if I could give the most basic practical definition, that's really what it is. It's things that are very important, and so you want to take the opportunity to pray to God constantly about it, and you never forget it. How many times have you had a prayer request, or somebody else had a prayer request, and you prayed for it one time, and it's in the brain and out, and it's gone? Or other times where things have been very, very important for a week, (laughs) and you pray about it for a week, And then when it's over, you just kind of move on to something else and you forget about it. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about taking things to God and you are so moved in your heart and in your life and everything about you that you cannot forget about it, that you think about it all the time and you are praying to God about it all the time. How many of you have a prayer request like that personally that you're taking to God all the time? Okay, we got a couple. Okay. You should. You should be thinking so deeply and so intensely about the things in your life that you are taking them to God on a daily basis. Like, what are some of the most important things to you guys right now? Personally, not in general, personally. What are some very important things to you right now? Yeah. Okay. And so in that one, if you were to pray with importunity, you'd be taking them to God every single day and praying for their relationship, about their walk with God, everything, right? Like that. Yep. Okay, same thing. Every day, even throughout the day, multiple times a day, you'll be praying to God about your baby brother. What else we got? Yep. Uh, lost family. Yeah, huge. Lost family members. How many of us, we've got lost family members, and we're like, yep, they're lost, but they're never going to get saved, and we never pray for them. Shame on us about that. God wants them to be saved. Why don't you? We should be taking them to the Lord. We should. What else we got? I'm shocked no one said anything about college or job or future or, yeah, dating relationships, finding the one you're supposed to marry. Is the person I'm currently with the one I'm supposed to marry? I mean, these things are very, very important. Huge. Like, Reese, I know you want to go to West Point, right? Okay, you should be praying about that all the time. For God to open that door or shut it. 
You know what I mean? Like this, this is the kind of stuff we're talking about. We should be praying to God about so many things. We should. And especially things that are very, very important to us. If they're important to you, guess who else it's important to? G to the O to the D. God, he's very important to him. I know that was dumb. <laughs> but it's very important to him. And so what do you, I mean, what do you think? Like, like he doesn't want to talk to you about it? Like he doesn't want you to talk to him about it? Absolutely he does. Because that's the type of God that we serve. And I love God for it. I love God for that. I do. Hold your spot in Luke 18 and go to Psalm 116. Psalm 116. Whenever I read this verse, <clears throat> it really changed a few things for me when it came to my prayer life. And when I struggle in my prayer life, I go back to this verse and it helps me. It helps me tremendously. Psalm 116. I've shared this verse a few times throughout the past couple years that we've been going through stuff on prayer. This is so good. Psalm 116, 1 and 2. I love the Lord because, so there's a reason here. So he's saying, I love God. This is David. I love God because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Right out of the gate, the first thing that he says, I love God because when I talk to him, he hears me. I love that about God. And when I remember that, I will talk to God more because he loves me. And this makes sense because anybody that you love or that loves you in return, you want to hear from them and you want to talk to them. And so that's the way it is with God. And that's why I think sometimes in our personal life, maybe we have just fallen out of love with God. And by the way, love is not a feeling like our culture likes to tell us. Love is a choice. Now, when you realize the choice God made to love you by sending himself to die for you so you wouldn't go to hell, now that starts to begin to stir some feelings in me. I'm, I'm just going to be honest. But there are some days where I don't feel like worshiping God. I don't feel like obeying God. And so you know what I have to do? I have to remember what has he done for me and I'm going to choose to love God in return. And every time when I am not in a good mood and I choose to love God and I get into the word and I pray, you know what it does? It stirs my heart and it gives me those emotions. We need to push past this nonsense where we're just dead inside and actually choose to love God and watch what he does with your heart. It'll be absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. So he says, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice, my supplications. And then look at verse two. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. Oh, I love this. Even just reading this, it brings tears to my eyes and it stirs me in my heart. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Do you realize that God... God just taking a moment to bend his ear down from heaven to hear you is a very humbling act for God. Why would God, God does not, God doesn't even deserve to be anywhere near us. Like not at all. Our sinfulness, our sinful nature, our corrupt mentality, our twisted thinking deserves to be so far away from God. And yet he inclines his ear unto you. To you personally. He inclines his ear unto you. He wants to hear you on a daily basis. He is bending his ear, waiting to hear your voice. That's the God of the Bible. Do you see God that way? You should, because he is that way. That is the truth. 
And when you realize that God is that way with you personally, not anybody else, you. Forget about the people that you think are spiritual rock stars. I'm talking about you. The person that struggles to get in their Bible on a daily basis. The person that struggles with sin over and over again and just can't let it go. The person that was an idiot to their parents this past week and just spoke with such disrespect. I'm talking about you. God inclines his ear unto you, unto you. How amazing is that? That is incredible that God would do that. Why? Why would God do that? Because he's madly in love with you. And he's proven it over and over and over again. He's proven it through his son, giving his son to die for you. He is madly in love with you. And not only does he want to give his son to you to purchase your eternity, but he inclines his ear unto you because he wants to talk to you and he wants you to talk to him every day. I love God. I love him. Like when I think about that and I read this, I'm like, yes! This is the best way to say it. That's why it's in the Bible. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. And so with that in mind as our context, let's get into this importunity stuff. Go back to Luke 18. Because when you see God like that, it changes things. It changes things. So Luke 18. Luke 18 gives us a very good example of what importunity actually is. Luke 18 Verse 1. And he, that's Jesus, spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. This is critical. All right, so he gives an example here, and then he gives an explanation of the example. You got to judge unjust, lost, godless. And this widow every day is coming to him and every day asking the same thing. Avenge me, avenge me, avenge me, avenge me, avenge me, avenge me, avenge me. And maybe she did an opera style. Maybe she did, I don't know. But she said every day, avenge me, avenge me, avenge me, avenge me. And finally, the unjust judge said, fine, fine. I need to get her off my back. She's annoying me. I, I, can't, I can't deal with this. I'm, okay, I'll, I'll do what you say. I'll do what you say. Okay, that's the unjust judge. And then look at what it says from God's perspective. And verse seven, shall not God avenge his own elect which cry day and night unto him though he bear long with them. See, the unjust judge doesn't love the woman. He doesn't care about the woman. The woman is annoying to him. But when it comes to God, he loves you. He loves his people. And when you bring things to him day after day after day after night after night after night, he's moved in his heart. And the only reason why God doesn't do something is because there's something else that's going on. Have you ever thought about that? God, I mean, the moment, the moment God hears your prayer, you know what he wants to do? Yes, I will answer your prayer. That's in his heart. That is in God's heart. And a lot of us, we don't see that because we don't see God working. 
but it is in God's heart to answer your prayer because he loves you. But at the same time, he knows what's best for you because he loves you. And he knows what's best for everybody else because he loves them too. And so he can't maybe answer that the exact way that you're praying in the exact time that you want because there's other things that are at play that you just don't know about. But if you just keep going to him and keep trusting him, he will teach you and he will guide you. And eventually he will answer that prayer one way or another. It just may not be the way that you think, but it will always be in what's, what's best every single time. So that's what God says here. And that's why he says in verse eight, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. But then look at this. Nevertheless, <clears throat> nevertheless, when the son of man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? This is a great question because this means that when we don't take things to God and pray with importunity day and night and we just forget them and we just move on, we do not have biblical faith. Because he says, when he comes, shall he find faith on the earth? And it is attached to this example of this woman and to the whole concept of prayer. Your faith is measured by your prayer life. If you truly believe God and you have a faith that God is pleased with, you are a person of prayer. You will be praying all the time. You will. And this is the big problem with Laodicea. We bring it up every week. Laodicea, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. See, that's the problem. We don't have any needs. When I asked you guys this morning, do you have a prayer request that is so important to you that you would pray for it every single day? Everyone's hand should have been up. Every single person's hand should have been up. Because there should always be something there should always be a need that you have for God. If you don't have a need for God, you won't spend time with him. Right? And so it is with everything else. You're going to get a good grade on this next test that's coming up. So the teacher gives you a study guide. What are you going to do? Go through the study guide. Eventually, it may be the hour before you have to go to bed the night before, but you're going to go through the study guide. Why? The need in order to get a good grade, right? I mean, there's things like this that come up all the time. We don't act until we have a need. And so I believe firmly that we are not acting like Christians the way we should because we don't have a need. We don't see a need for God. We see him as something else that's just tacked onto our life like a patch on a shirt. You know what I mean? I mean, that's all we do. Or like some sort of a cologne that we spray. Oh, you smell like God today. <laughs> it's my new cologne. It's just something that we put on in order to flower up our appearance rather than it being your blood. I mean, how far would you go on any given day without blood in your body? <laughs> you wouldn't go. You know what that is? You need blood. <laughs> All right. In the same way, you need God. You need God just like you need blood in your body. Yeah, Jamie. Like, you still need him to wake you up in the morning. 
Yeah. Like you need him for everything. So we should pray for him about everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's good. So I, and, and the reason why I'm talking this way and I'm talking about this is because God has really been moving my heart about what does it mean to be a real Christian? I don't think we have very many anymore. I think a lot of churches are not rearing real Christians. I just don't think they are. And that does not please God and it doesn't glorify God. And so if we're going to please and glorify God, we need to be real. We need to be real Christians. What we say, we need to do. And we need to be active participants in this thing with God or else, I mean, we're on the sidelines. We're on the sidelines of a game where God is calling you to get in there and get out on the field and yet we're not doing it. We're just sitting there. We're just dumbfounded. We're just, I mean, that'd be unbelievable. Like to the point where we're going to have to forfeit the game and get raptured out of here because no one's willing to play the game. (laughs) How terrible. We say we love God, so let's actually love God. Like, I know that sounds really rudimentary and very simple, but it really is that basic. Laodicea has no idea what it means to love God. And so we need to ask ourselves, do I really love God? I say that I do, but do I love him? And if I do, then I'm going to be active. I'm going to be doing things. I'm going to be spending time with him. You know, that's why last week that illustration hit me so hard with Timmy using that, that example that we talked about last week. And I listened to that message again. And when I listened to that message again this past week, it made me cry again. And we need real Christians. God needs real Christians. This world needs real Christians. Your lost friends need real Christians. Real Christians, not the fake ones. Not the ones that are coming out of the store in in the cellophane packaging. No, we need real Christians, legit Christians. That's what we need. That's what God needs. And he should be able to expect that from us. He should. He should. All right, let's take a look at some of these insights. Our Lord himself prayed with intensity and importunity. He rose early to pray. He spent all nights in prayer. The epistle to the Hebrews tells us that he offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears. The awe of Gethsemane is full of mystery. He called upon God as father, but in his praying, there was, a, there was the sweat and agony of blood. He kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And being in agony... He prayed the more earnestly, and his sweat became as it were great drops of blood falling down upon the ground. Matthew 26 to 38 through 46 tells us that he prayed a third time using the same words. He wrought many mighty works in nature and in men, calming the tempest, casting out devils, and raising the dead. But in none of them, listen to this, this is big, but in none of them is there any trace of strain or travail. Virtue went out of him, and he wearied in toil, but there was the ease of mastery in all that he did. But of his praying, it is said, as he prayed, he sweat. He prayed in an agony unto blood. If God be father, why such agony in the praying of his son? Even the idea of wrestling is is associated with prayer. It is not suggested that we wrestle with God, but there is a grip and grappling that calls for vigilance and concentration. It is quite clear that prayer is not the easy thing that seems to be implied in the simplicity of asking our Heavenly Father for what we want and getting it. There is travail in it. There is work in it. There is entreaty in it. There is importunity in it. Maybe Coleridge was not wrong when he spake of prayer as the highest energy of which the human heart is capable and the greatest achievement of the Christian's warfare on earth. Prayer is full of apparent contradictions. It is so simple that a child can pray, and it is so profound that the wisest cannot explain its mystery. 
It is so easy that those who have no strength can pray, and it is so strenuous that it taxes every resource of energy, intelligence, and power. It is so natural that it need not be taught, and it is so far beyond nature that it cannot be learned in the school of this world's wisdom. Prayer is a world in itself, and no one, no one aspect of life's uh, similes can explain it. The relation of father and child has bigger meanings in revealed truth than in our modern conception. Intensity is a law of prayer. God is found of those who seek him with all their heart. Wrestling prayer prevails. The fervent, effectual prayer of the righteous is of great force. God hates strange fire. We must never try to work up an emotion of intensity. Avoid all that is mechanical and prefunctory. Shun the casual and flippant. Suspect all easy and cheap methods like that of, a, of the bank and the store. Leave all directors and prompters to the place of corporate and liturgical prayer. When alone with God, be alone with him. Begin in silence. Speak with simplicity. Listen in meekness. Never leave without a conscious season of real communication. We have not to persuade God, but he has to discipline and prepare us. So good. So good. You know, in closing, um, I want you guys to, you can take a look at these passages later, but in closing, I want you guys to go to, um, let's see here, uh, go to Luke 11, go to Luke 11, because on your guys' study sheet, these are huge. Hannah, Hannah is a great example of someone who prayed and prayed with intensity and prayed to God and left to him. Such a great example there. The Syrophoenician woman in Mark chapter 7 is another great example. The Roman centurion that basically told God, hey, listen, all you do is you got to say the word, and I know that my servant's going to be healed. A great example of prayer. And then there's some passages here uh, that you need to take a look at later about laboring in your prayers. But I want to end in Luke 11, because Luke 11, it's interesting. You have the pattern of prayer. You have the beginning where he says, Lord, teach us to pray like we've already talked about. And then he gives that pattern of prayer in verses 2 through 4. But then he gives another example of importunity. And so importunity, I have this just written in my margin of my Bible. Um, it really means, like I already gave you the practical one, but as far as this one, this is more of a, a refined definition. It says pressing solicitation, an urgent request, and often with a troublesome frequency or persistence. That you get to the point where you're almost bothering God because you want him to answer this prayer and, and move on your behalf. All right, so in verse 5, it says this. <clears throat> and he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is, a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are in bed, are with me in bed, and I cannot arise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Now, this is another really good example. This guy is, I mean, everything's shut up. It's closed up. His kids are in bed. And you got the neighbor coming over and knocking on his door and just keeps knocking, knocking. How weird is it that when your house is closed up and everyone's in bed that someone knocks on the door? It's strange. And so this guy's doing it. And he's, I just imagine him in his bed, you know, because he's sleeping. He's like, ah, who could this be this hour? I mean, seriously, I'm so annoyed. Everyone's sleeping. We just got this kid to sleep. Nightmare. And now this person starts knocking on the door. Okay. I just picture that. But then he gets up and he looks out the window and it's his friend. He goes, oh, and immediately his attitude changes. Oh, it's you. 
And so then he opens up the door. He's like, hey, what's going on? He's like, I caught somebody at my house. I don't have anything. Do you have any bread? Everything's closed. I can't go and buy bread. Do you have any at your house? Because I have to have something for him in the morning. Of course, no problem. And then he goes and gets it. Because it's his friend. And his friend has a need. And so I look at God very similar. Like you think you might be bothering. And I have to tell people this all the time, even with me. Like you have my number. Don't ever feel like you're bothering me because you're not. You're not bothering me. If I can't answer, if I can't talk, I'll tell you. But you're never bothering me. I always want to be available to people. God, so much more. Like he's always available. And you're coming to him. And he wants to hear you. So how much more does he want to answer your prayers? And that's exactly why the next verse, verse 9, it says, And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. See, you will never know unless you ask, seek, or knock. You'll never know. And there's three levels of intensity there. Asking. Hey, do you know where my uh, wallet is? I've done that before. You know where my keys are? Can't find them. <sighs> All right, now I got to seek. Takes a little bit more work. Turning things upside down. And then knocking. That's really turning things upside down. <laughs> Going to get some help. Okay, so ask, seek, knock. It's a very similar, it's a very simple pattern for us to follow. You ask, you seek, you knock. You ask for it. You seek after it. But then you go after it and you start knocking. And that's how God wants us to approach him. So we need to start doing that. We need to start doing that. And so I want you guys to be thinking. Everyone needs prayer. There's something that we can be praying for. And I would encourage you guys. I got a couple challenges. Number one, what is going to be your prayer request? All right? What is going to be your prayer request that, that really you need to be praying to God about? All right? So get that down. Number two, I want you to be able to share that prayer request. If you've got it, I want you to share it. I would love for you guys to share that in the group me, whether you do it in the girls or the guys or the big one, whatever, I don't care. But I want you guys to share that stuff in the group me, okay? I want you guys to be able to do that because we need to be praying for each other. And I want all of you guys to come on Wednesday if you can. I know some of you guys can't because of sports and school and some other stuff. But if you can, come on Wednesday. We're praying together and bring somebody. So we got three challenges right there, all right? We need to do this. God wants real Christians, so let's be real. And in closing, we've got only a couple minutes left. Just go ahead and pray with the person next to you. If you got your prayer request, um, and if you do three people, that's fine. But if you got your prayer request, just share it with them real quick and close in prayer, and, uh, and then you guys can be done, and you can go. All right?